the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are about to listen to American Signpost, a thought that points us back to God. 500 years ago, this year, Martin Luther threw down a theological gauntlet. It was in the form of 95 challenges to the way of salvation being taught by the church while Columbus was still sailing in the North Atlantic. In 1517, Luther had his aha experience. Salvation, he discovered, had absolutely nothing to do with what we can do. It was solely and only God's gift. This faith, the first settlers carried to these shores. The realization that a sinner is justified by God as a gift revolutionized the churches. Multitudes who received God's gift planted themselves here in America. There is a reason why we have been seen as a bright light, a hope for millions around the world. The reason is Jesus Christ, and we desperately need him to do what only he can do and do it now. I am Pastor William Boylan. This is an American Signpost. Visit PastorBoylan.com to learn more about how history instructs our country's way back to God. That's PastorBoylan.com. Welcome to Signpost. Signposts has been posing one question. How can America's past shed light on her future? Join Signpost host, Pastor William Boylan, and his son, author Andrew Boylan, as they visit America's foundation to understand better what's happening in the world today. Get ready to hear about America's beginnings, as you have probably never heard before. Now, let's join Signpost. Good afternoon. Welcome to Signposts. We thank you for joining us today. We are a ministry of myself, Andrew Boylan. I'm one of the, the hosts here on Signpost with my dad, William, Pastor William Boylan. Welcome. I'm glad to be here again, Andrew. I, we had a I thought we had a very stimulating conversation last week. Uh, I think we uh, did. I think it's been a, it's been a good conversation up to this point with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and the anniversary of Martin Luther and signing or taking his 95 point thesis and putting it forth as a as a decree to having seen a difference in the church. But one of the things that we one of the areas we had been talking about last week and where it would be nice to go back to is how a lightning strike changed in an instant the direction and the course of his life. He was about to go to law school and then he was out and lightning almost struck him and he saw it as a sign from God that he was going the wrong way and he changed and he went into the monastery. And I know that one of the things that we were these were the things that we were talking about last week, and I think it's great to, uh, you know, just jump right back in with this transformative moment and how one life, you know, that this transformation within one life, that life can then transform an entire world with what he wrote that day and how he changed the church. You know, even as you say that, Andrew, I think about our one of our goals, if maybe could you even say our major goal, we're we're interested uh, to talk to American Christians as American Christians. We're we're two Christians, but we're Americans, and uh, uh, we really believe that uh, the 
church is God's kingdom. Uh, we really do believe that. But we also believe that he uses people and things and countries to do good. Uh, God is stuck on doing good. He is a good and gracious God. Mm. And uh, uh, we have a lot of problems. We, uh, we are sinful people. Americans are no better than any other people on earth. But we are exceptional in this sense. You know, we use the word exceptional about America. And some people are offended by that, and I think it's because uh, they may interpret that or interpret those who might say that, like myself, as meaning we're a cut above the best, we're a better kind of people, we're a new breed, or something mm. about us as people. Uh, I think of American exceptionalism not as uh, uh, the kind of people we are. I think of it as the kind of government we created. Mm. We, we we took exception with the idea that the governors of the world should rule and tyrannize their people. And we said we said we should have a government that listens to the people. Mm. We should have a government that is affirmed by the people, that the people should go to a voting booth and say, this is who I want to be our governor. Mm. And we and we felt that that would give the government more power because the government would be supported by the people who put it into power. Mm. That's that's if anybody thinks that's the way it's always been on Earth, they haven't read world history. <laughs> uh, Nebuchadnezzar did not get voted into the kingdom right. of Babylon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, nor did the emperors of Rome uh, run for office. Right. No, absolutely. No. And so we took exception with that. Yep. And by the way. Uh, this might well be directly on a, a point from last week when we were talking about the Reformation and and uh, Martin Luther coming to see for himself what it was that God should justify him. God justified Martin Luther as a gift of grace. Mm. Martin Luther had tried to justify himself, and he took all kinds of uh, he took all kinds of steps to do that, even even abusing himself trying to pay God back mm. or, or pay God for what he had done to God by sinning and right. put it right the right way. Well, this one man who finally had a breakthrough and saw that that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God uh, decided to love Martin Luther mm. and decided to do everything necessary to cleanse Martin Luther's heart and mind. Mm. And the first thing he did was free him from the law. That's the very first thing that happens, by the way, in a Christian life. If you understand what the Bible is telling us, the first thing that happens is you are justified by faith. Justification has to do with law. Mm. We have another word in the church, sanctification. Sanctification deals with our character and the holiness and the issue of rightness and obedience. Mm. You know, it's becoming a kind of person that God would approve. Right. That's a process. Mm-hmm. But justification is an action. Right. It happens. Justification uh, deals with the law, and the law is either broken or satisfied. Right. And God has satisfied the law on our behalf. Right. So the law cannot condemn us. How can we be condemned by a law that can't consider that we've broken it? Right. Because Christ didn't break it. And he and took it on he himself. Took our brokenness to himself. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, what a. I mean, the, I, I've been a Christian for 55 years plus, and it still excites me to think about what God did mm. in saving my soul. 
And I know how much I did not deserve what God gave me, but God knows how much I appreciate it mm -hmm. <laughs> because I gave my life to him and, and gladly so uh, because he gave himself for me. Yeah. And, and what made America great was multitudes of people with that kind of faith came and planted us. Mm. And, and there's a lot of brightness in that kind of a life. Uh, the poor Puritans. Now, I'm off on a tangent, but let me go on the tangent at least for a minute because mm -hmm. we want to stay with Martin Luther. But but the tangent I want to go on is the, the black eye that the Puritans have been given. They are no more like the people we imagine them to be or we have been told they were or we are expected to believe they were. They were nothing like that. They, they, were, they were a joyous bunch. Uh, I, I don't want to say that they always uh, dressed in gala clothing, but but in their heart, in their mind, in their homes, mm. they were a joyful people. They they took everything from God's hand with gratitude, mm. and they expressed that gratitude in their relationship to one another. Now, I'm not trying to make them 20th century people. We we are different in that sense. We have ideas they never never crossed their mind, but. But in terms of their spirit, in terms of their character, in terms of their zeal to please God, they were quite a unique bunch. And uh, you don't get a country uh, emerge out of that group that everybody on earth seems to want to come and belong to. You know, the reason we have we have immigration problems is because people want to emigrate here and we're not sure who we're getting. There were no immigration problems that I in the Cold War. There were no people going into the Soviet Union. Mm. <laughs> there were no people climbing over the Berlin Wall to get to East Germany. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we have to put a wall up to protect ourselves from people we're afraid of. You know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, anyway, uh, we're really on, hopefully, on Martin Luther. Right, And, and uh, we've looked at the fact that he was heading to law school. We did this last week. He was heading to law school. His father wanted to be a lawyer. He was almost struck by a lightning bolt on the way. He considered that to be sent from heaven to get him to go in a different direction. And he did. He went to the monastery. In the monastery, he became a teacher. He began to teach out of the Bible. He taught from the Psalms. And it alerted him to the fact that God was not the God that he was hearing all the time from the pulpit. And then when he got to Galatians, he saw that, boy, Boy, this there's things here that are being said about God that I've never really co concentrated on like this. And then he got to the book of Romans, and the book of Romans uh, told him uh, that Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Mm. It didn't make Abraham righteous. It was reckoned to him. God wrote righteous on, on Abraham's side of the ledger. Mm. It was, if he had gone to a court of law, God's court, God's judgment, and God opened the book on Abraham, there would have been nothing wrong with Abraham. It would have said righteous. Mm. Righteous. Uh, and that's a form of the word just. Uh, and so right. God justified or made Abraham cons to consider it to be. He didn't make Abraham righteous in himself. Abraham had to keep confessing his sin. But before the law... He, was, he was righteous. Yes. And that set him free to confess his sin yep. and own up to it. And by the way, if uh, if you're in a church or you're, uh, you've uh, been told that, <clears throat> that uh, 
holiness is attainable in this lifetime. Uh, let me er- alert you to a text. You might want to look it up. It's First John, the first letter of John, and it's the ninth verse of the first chapter. And John says this very interesting thing to some who, even though they're Christians, tend to tend to think they still have to meet God's demands in their own strength. I mean, we want to meet them, but we don't. And we have to confess that we don't. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to play games. He doesn't want us to pretend. He wants us to be open and honest with him. And even though we're right and just before the law, we are not right in ourselves. We're developing. Mm. We're growing in grace. We're developing. And so that verse says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, that's great. It doesn't say, if you're one of the few that still have some sin, you can, no, he's talking about all of us. Mm. He's talking about, and by the way, in the, it's so, the, the, the original language is so helpful when you can read it because sometimes the phraseology or even the position of words alert you to something that the English doesn't always do. Mm. <clears throat> and and the, when it says, he is faithful and just, that's, think about that. If you confess your sin, meaning you must have it, God doesn't, God's not naive. He's saying, you've got sin. What do you do with it? Confess it. Tell mm. me. Own up to it. Ask me for forgiveness. Bring it to me. I can deal with it. And I, I deal with it out of my faithfulness, one, and justice. He is faithful and just and will forgive your sin. What does that mean? Well, it means this. He accepted the death of Christ on behalf of sinners. Mm. That's what he did when Christ rose from the dead. It was a a public sign that God accepted what he did on the cross and gave him back his life Mm. because Christ did on the cross what he came to do, and that's die for someone else. And God said, when you died, I'm talking for God now in a human way, God said to, you know, when he died, okay, I sent you to die for Bill Boylan, and you did. Now, you don't have any sin of your own, so why don't you come back to me? Mm. Rise. You've satisfied the law on his behalf. You didn't satisfy it on your behalf. You satisfied it on his behalf. Now, he's, he's free from the law's commands, he's, at least the demands that say you can't come if there's any unholiness in you, you can't come to God. I'm talking to you now, God says. God says, you're praying and I'm listening. I don't listen to sinners. And so that means that if God answers my prayer and he's hearing me, he's listening, he must have done something with my sin. Mm. And the Bible tells me exactly he did. His son put his life on the line for my sin, and God was satisfied with that. Now, I'm still thinking about that ninth verse of the first book, uh, the first letter of John in the first chapter. Right. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. Think about that. It means that if you go and confess your sin and he doesn't forgive you, God is unfaithful and God is unjust. Mm. He is making you pay for a sin that Christ paid for. That is the worst kind of double jeopardy. Mm. If Christ paid for your sin and God's going to make you pay for it too, there's two people paying for the same sin. 
And that's why I think it says there, God is faithful, he keeps his, he keeps his word, and he is just. He will not demand of you what he's already accepted from his son. Mm. When you think of it in those terms, that's a very powerful verse. It and is. these are the things that began to uh, come into Luther's understanding. Right. He, he began to really see that what the Bible was saying about God was not what his church was saying about God. Right. And that's that's we're here listening to Signposts today on WBIX. Um, I'm Andrew Boylan, one of your hosts with Pastor William Boylan. And we're talking about Martin Luther today. We want to welcome you to PastorBoylan.com to find out more about signposts. We've been on the radio for about a year now, and we've been talking mostly about America and America's planting. And this week, with the over these last few weeks, with the 500th anniversary of of Martin Luther and the and the Reformation, we thought we would take a moment to go a few hundred years before the planting of America and talk about this transitory transition moment in world history. And and as we go into this this next part of this, let's talk about what he did. Why this moment was so so penultimate in the transformation of the world. We've talked about what led him into the monastery and some of these effects, but let's go right into the heart of why, what, what did he do that, that made this 500th anniversary so important? Well, simply stated, he discovered what justification by faith really meant. That's what he really did. He, he realized that uh, the, the, what God wants of us is to believe him, to mm. believe in him, to believe. And uh, the gospel that is often offered to people in order to explain the faith for the first time, people who are, who are not have not been exposed to the Christian faith or have not been exposed at least to Bible teaching, mm. and they're beginning to get their feet wet, they're beginning to get uh, started in this. It's not uncommon that a, a ministering group or a, a pastor of a church, maybe, or a church would offer them the Gospel of John and encourage them to read it. Mm. Now, that is very wise, and here's why. The Gospel of John was written by John to enable people to believe. He says, I write these things. This is in the 20th chapter of John. I think it's the 35th verse. I may have the verse wrong. But he says uh, in that last chapter, the, the one who's giving testimony to these things. Now, he's just written the Gospel. And now he says, now, I've testified in this Gospel to who Jesus is and what he did. Mm. And he says, and I know that the testimony is true. You, you're reading the truth. You don't have to question this. I, I'm not deceiving you. I'm certainly not lying. This is the truth. And I've written these things for a purpose, that, uh, that by believing you may have life in his name, mm. by believing. Now, now let me, let me uh, you know, and that's what, that's what Martin Luther really did. He understood the genius of relating, of God's genius in mm -hmm. relating to sinners on the basis of their faith. Mm. giving them faith. Uh, it, it's not unique, by the way. We live by faith all the time. It's really not a matter of whether we live by faith. Everybody lives by faith. The question is what you put your faith in. Right. Uh, when, uh, when we go to a restaurant, we're putting our faith in the cook. Right. We're trusting that he's not 
going mad, and he's not uh, didn't see us come in and didn't particularly like us and doing something with our food. We turn up, but we already know that by faith. Right, we're not in the kitchen. When we we're, when we fly, we're thirty five thousand feet in the air, and and the one man who has our life in his hand is behind a locked door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what if he's decided our, uh, our life's not worth living, and he's planning to take us all with him? Right. When he goes down, no, we live by faith all the time. Absolutely. So when we're talking about Martin Luther and we're talking about the Christian faith, we're not talking about something unique. We're talking about something focused. We're we're saying Martin Luther began to see that God had opened a door for him to be related to God Mm. through his faith and through his faith alone and not by some works he could or would or should perform. Mm. And that was it. So it was justification by faith alone. Now, I brought up the uh, I brought up the Gospel of John, mm. and uh, in the Gospel of John, John uses the word believe in twenty one chapters ninety times. Mm. Now that doesn't prove everything, but it is interesting, isn't it? That that should be such a, uh, a focus of interest. In the gospel. Yes. When you find one word repeated 90 times, <laughs> uh, you get the idea that John wants to explain the importance of and the way of believing. Right. And that's what Luther, when we say justification by faith, it's just another way of saying he believed what God said. He believed who God was. He believed what God did. And he believed what God said. Mm. He and, and God said, on the basis of your believing me, I will meet the needs you have, and the deepest need you have is to uh, be related to me Mm. and create you to be my image bearer. You can't bear my image if you don't know who I am. You can't bear my image if you don't look like me. (laughs) When we go to the mirror and we look in the mirror and we don't recognize the person there, something radical has happened. (laughs) (laughs) And when God looks at us and doesn't see himself, something's wrong. And it's probably not wrong with God. Right. It's probably wrong with us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so Martin Luther, in the fifteen seventeen, uh, five hundred years ago. I mean, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So, on that basis, this was just a blip on the screen. Right. Five hundred years. But in those, but th- that that breakthrough, that that insight. Uh, first of all, Luther tacked up all the questions that raised in his mind about the teaching of the church. Mm. And he had 95 issues he took with the church's teaching. And he wanted to debate them. Mm. And the way a scholar announced the need or the desire to debate in that time was you posted your issues publicly. Mm. And that's what he did. <clears throat> he had 95 questions he wanted answered according to what the church was teaching in his day. Right. So he took these theses, these questions, and he hammered them to the church door, which is where you would put them. It was the, the town's bulletin board. Right. And he and he challenged the church to this. And and it was such a shocking thing, such a, a challenge to the centrality of what the church had become that uh, that it didn't stop with that thesis. It wasn't like a group got together at the local coffee shop and talked these things over. Right, right. It ramifications uh, right through Europe. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, what I'd like to do, uh, along with this guy, I don't want to miss out on this, uh, uh, is talk about this 
what does it mean that one man, when we were focused on one man, now he wasn't, he wasn't the only reformer. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, Knox was preaching up in Scotland. Huss was preaching over in what then was Bohemia, which is Czechoslovakia. There were the Huguenots in northern, in northern France. Uh, th- there was a movement going on in Europe, but somehow mm-hmm. we, t- we tend to see Martin Luther as a, as a luminary among them. Mm. I mean, he, he was, he, he was the focus. And, uh, and one man, makes a difference. Oh, mm. one woman. One person makes a difference. And uh, I don't want us to leave these radio broadcasts on uh, only on the historical or even the theological level, but uh, I, I find myself greatly encouraged to believe that God can really use my life in ways that I could never uh, produce fruit. Can I use his own phraseology, his own analogy, uh, that I can produce fruit I've never believed that I could produce in my life because God's in it with me. Absolutely. And that's a great place as we go into our first commercial break here to take it out of the theological and out of the historical and into the personal. And as some of the threads that we weave here, you're listening to Signposts on WBIX. It is a, a ministry that we've been bringing to you for about a year now. Our main focus throughout this past year and our main focus at Signpost Ministries is to bring back the Word of God to the American life. We believe that it was planted here with the the people who came in the 1630s, and we believe it has grown, and out of it, much of America's greatness has come, and we believe that we are at a crossroads where that greatness could end or it could continue, and we believe here at Signpost, we believe that God is instrumental in that, and the and the and the story of Jesus Christ is instrumental in the formation of America and the greatness of America. Um, and as we come to the end of this year, we're running out of our funding, so we are asking anybody who has been listening and feels that this message is worth hearing and uh, worth continuing to come to PastorBoylan.com. There's places throughout the website where you can make donations, and um, we ask you if you would come um, and check it out. And if it's something that you feel you're prepared to do, um, we we welcome it, because otherwise our show is coming to an end. But thank you, and we are at our break. We'll be back after these messages. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 